Pittsburgh Steeler fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Scobro Show. This is co-editor of Behind the Steel Curtain, Dave Schofield. I tell you what, I'm having a problem. I can't get the name right, and I can't get my title right. But I am here, as always, with my big brother, Rich. How you doing, Rich? Hey, why should it be any different now than when we were growing up as kids? You still can't get anything right. No, I get all kinds <laughs> of stuff right. I just get flustered with that. I mean, I've my titles changed so, so often here at BTSC. I mean... I, I still haven't even been two years with website. It'll be two years here here uh, next Tuesday is when it'll be that um, from two years from my first article. But here I am as the once community manager, then deputy editor, then editor, now co-editor. Now I can't remember what I am. Um, but and I and I also keep forgetting what the name of our show is. Although I should remember the Scobro show since we changed it up. But you doing all right, Rich? How you feeling? Everything uh, everything good in Steelers Nation? <laughs> oh, Steeler Nation will be better in a couple more weeks when I get to see some football on the field. But <laughs> in the meantime, we'll just have to do with the few minor nuggets we get out of camp and the anticipation and great podcasts on BTSC and great articles from BTSC, and we'll just have to deal with that for now. Hey, that, I guess that's what we have to live with. But, I mean, did you tune in Saturday night? I mean, they were doing everything. They were doing player introductions. They were doing – they were wearing their uniforms. We were going to get to see all kinds of great Steeler stuff from 6 to 8. Did you tune in for that? What, just so that the thunder could <laughs> roar and we could be like, yeah, and and even before the thunder, they didn't show anything still. First of all, they're like practices from six to eight. We're going to be on on the CW. Well, they were only on for the first hour. And I would say the majority, I mean, they were cutting out to other things that they had previously taped. They were barely even showing players stretching or anything. It was worse than the daily stuff that we got. It was, it was not good. I mean, it's funny. It's like, I don't want to go too crazy. I'm not going to say with this one way or the other, one side or the other, but it's like turning on the news. You turn on the news to hear the news and all you hear is everybody's opinions. You know, I wanted to tune in to watch the Steelers and all I heard was everyone's opinion about what's going on with the Steelers. You know, that's what it was. That's that's why it was so disappointing. Uh, and uh, I passes, thought that's what passes for news nowadays. Yep, yep. And I and I thought that was it's funny because Jeff Jeff was really bad. Jeff texted me, he's like, This is I was like, My goodness, this is awful. I'm like, did you really expect anything less? I mean, I really wasn't expecting much more, hoping that then all of a sudden I was gonna be so excited to see what it was, but Man, it was just it. I don't know. I'm we can't get anything out of training camp, and we're going to talk about nope. that. We're going to talk yep. about that, but first, we have to talk about the biggest, best, greatest news that we got today. And that was I got to write this article today for behind the steel curtain.com. If you haven't read it yet, go check it out. Is that the word came out today that finally. Finally, Bill Nunn is a finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And all people that know anything about the Steelers and are Steeler fans or really understand football 
really their reaction is about freaking time. Yep. Because he should have been in a long time ago. He is such an integral part of the Steelers. It is terrible that it will only, I mean, it's great for his family. It's awful that it's not Mr. Nunn himself. Correct. That's going to get to enjoy this enshrinement because, and I'm honestly, I'm already penciling him in. I know I said in the article that, you know, it's really anyone's guess whether he'll get in or not. And, but this is why I think now that he's a finalist, why he will get in. I mean, I can't remember with the, with the, with the contributors, how they do. Cause I know with players, they have finalists and then they whittle down those finalists until it's everyone that does it. I'm not really sure, but, all I have to say is this to anyone who looks at that on the list, give me one good reason why he shouldn't be in there. Give me one. And you answer with silence. Uh, no, <laughs> no, I'll answer that, but I'm not going to answer it as if I'm a Pittsburgh Steeler fan. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to answer it like I'm an Arizona Cardinals fan. Okay. Okay. And their answer is going to be who? Yeah, Who's Bill Nunn? Well, all you there, there are going to be people that are like that, but your and voters have but your to vote- be informed right. of who they are, and right. all you have to do is be somewhat informed of who Bill Nunn is, and there should be no question as to whether or not he goes into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I mean, he he helped make that dynasty what it was. He was, I mean, and kudos for the Steelers for you know as a sports writer. And who did the um all you know the 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 black college all America team that basically called out the Steelers for not tapping into this talent? So they said, "Come on board, help us out." And he did. And look at all the guys that he was that he was responsible for getting to be a part of the Steelers. Now I had it. Did I give it to you? Yeah, Dan Rooney talked about talk about that in his book in one of his books. Mm-hmm. Um, did I let you borrow that book and read? I don't know. Or if have you read it? If I gave it to I, Dad. I have Dad, one of Dad his books. It. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there was a – in one of the books I've read, you know, Dan Rooney talked about just that. Talked about, you know, that there is – here's this writer, and he came to us and said, you guys are missing out. And we and really it was Dan Rooney that said, you know what, we are missing out. Who could do this? And he said, well, why not the guy who says we're missing out? Yeah. He yeah. knew more than – I mean, if he knows – he knew who the All-America team was that he chose, so he could evaluate the talent. And obviously, showing it by his writing, he was good at it. And that's one thing that Coach Tomlin talked about today in his press conference when he was asked about it, was that he, he didn't – that he, I even have the quote I could even bring up because I just – I'm putting it in an article for tomorrow, and that is he didn't let the football get in the way. He knew the other metrics to look at and to follow and to, and to evaluate – in order to see how a player was going to be in the NFL. So I put this in my article, how amazing would it be because the 2020 class is pushed to 2021 and they already said that they're pushing the Steelers Cowboys to 2021. Just imagine Bill Nunn also going in and my goodness, will you finally put Alan Fanica in rather than these other linemen that weren't as good as he was? Cause it's really just ridiculous. If you're just going to be that way about it. So, I can't remember who said it. I should know because I actually put his tweet in my article. Um, that is, um, I, oh, I, I can't remember his name. Um, I think it's Joe Treader is who it was. That he said he paved the way for so 
many different um, people, pers- people of color to have a path into the NFL in that capacity that they wouldn't have had otherwise. He showed what could be done. I mean, I mean, in the late sixties, you know, he is, he would be the first person of color elected to the pro football hall of fame as a contributor. He should be, he's the one who really did pave the way. And I hope that he continues to, because this is, I mean, it's, I can't, I'm sorry. I'm almost speechless about it. As I sit here and ramble on about nothing. (laughs) Look, Look, what Bill Nunn did and some of the talent that he found, the one that was always going to stick out to me was John Stallworth, okay? Mm-hmm. You know, Stallworth goes to just one of these little schools and Nunn knows, and he looks at John Stallworth and says, look at that guy. And if there was one, like, I can still close my eyes and picture John Stallworth running down the field, like, he, the way Stallworth ran, you just looked at that guy and was like, wow. He had those, you know, he had those long strides. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, you looked at that guy run and you said, that guy, most definitely an NFL receiver. Mm-hmm. Bill Nunn was smart enough to go find those guys when other guys, when other teams weren't doing it. All right, I'm going to ask you a quick question because we're. Going to, I mean, I'm sorry that we're talking, spending so much time on Bill Nunn, but he deserves. It. Oh, he does. Um, he, we should have just done the whole show. Um, hopefully, this is the next retro show for Brian and Tony to just talk about that. But both drafted in the same class. Who do you have above above the other one, Swan or Stallworth? Um. All right. Because you got to see them more than I did. Correct, I did. <laughs> um, but here was the deal. Swan played mm-hmm. a shorter career. Yeah. Much shorter. Yes. Um, some of the things Swan could do looked like what some of the guys do now. You know? Yeah. Like, I used to watch Randy Moss going up for some of those contested long balls. Mm-hmm. And I could see Lynn Swan. Okay. Mm-hmm. But John Stallworth could do that too. Me, because he played a longer career, I've always been a bigger Stallworth fan. Yes. Because Swan, I wasn't all I wasn't all that old by the time Swan retired. So I saw Stallworth play more. Yeah. Well, so I'm I was trying to look up real quick how long Stallworth was in the NFL because he reti- he retired in I'm trying to remember. Um, 87, 87. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, so, yeah, he did play a lot more. So, you had, he was, so still, you had, on the, he was still on the team. Mm-hmm. Like, you had Stallworth lined up with Lewis Lips. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, I mean, 87. Gee whiz. How long did, did, uh, I think Swan only played till 81 or two? Uh, yeah, it was something like that. I'd have to look that up too, but I know it was was much shorter. Yeah, it was much shorter. So, but you look in terms of a career, in terms of talent, look, Vince Swan had talent. Yeah. Oh, there's no doubt about that. But not only, how how I say this would be nice. Lynn Swan was more of your prototypical diva receiver Mm -hmm. kind of guy, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Stallworth. 
was more of a Heinz Ward kind of guy. So, which kind of guy I think would, you know, me being a yeah. real Pittsburgh well, guy, which kind of guy I think I lean toward? Star Wars. I, like, well, but I want to look at these two guys next to each other. Okay. What round was Swan taken in? Um, first, first, wasn't it? And Stallworth was in the fourth. Yeah. Was there that much difference between the two receivers? No. You know what the difference was between one and four? It's called USC versus Tuscaloosa. Yeah. That's the thing. That's the difference. Right. And I still remember that, you know, well, when people break down the, I mean, I, I remember what reading an old article after that draft, you know, in, in 74, you know, I didn't, obviously I didn't read it in 74 because I wasn't born yet, but I mean, where someone has shared, you know, breaking down the Steelers draft of 74 about how they really missed and everything else. And why did they take another receiver in the fourth round and all this, how terrible it was. And it's the greatest draft of all time, not just for the Steelers, for anybody. So it just goes to show that that John Stallworth was a first round talent that the Steelers took in the fourth round, and who knows if they could have even got him later because Bill Nunn they was the guy that knew about him. Could have got him later, but they yeah. said they said he was so good they couldn't. And take they felt he was first round talent. They mm -hmm. weren't risking anything. Yeah. When the fourth round got there, they said, "Nope, he's mm -hmm. got to come off the board." And then after so, 10 rounds, I think it was still uh, about James Cowboy just said this, right as I said this, um, about there were like 10 rounds back then or something like that. It was a 10 or 12. I can't even remember. But after all those rounds, who actually, still wasn't drafted? Actually. What's that? Who still wasn't drafted that Bill Nunn know to go sign? Donnie Shell. Oh, Donnie you Schell. Know? Yeah. I mean, come on. So... <laughs> just his legacy and everything. And he worked for the Steelers up, up and up through 2014 when he passed away. So, uh, and James Cowball says he just checked and it was 10 rounds um, back then. So you just look at, at, at what he did. I mean, still continued to work as a scout um, through the, you know, as the, he was labeled as partially retired. So he, you know, he stepped back his role, but I mean, he was still there the whole time, all six Super Bowls. Bill Nunn was all there for all six Super Bowl rings. That's crazy. That man loved that man loved football, mm -hmm. and he was good at what he did, and he loved doing it. Yeah. So we all we all are giving our big seventeen hundred thumbs up for Bill Nunn when it comes to selection into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I think he'll go because anyone who looks at anything about him, there's I don't see any way you don't vote for him. I really don't. So, wow, we just spent 15 minutes talking about Bill Nunn, and I'll be honest with you, he deserves more. But let's talk about current St Pittsburgh Steelers things going on in training camp and whatnot because we already said about, yeah, it's a little bit disappointing that we haven't been getting much, much news out of camp, and it is, and it's frustrating, and we're getting some. We're seeing some guys running through some drills, but we really don't know. And we're really only getting what the Steelers feel like telling us. So, so here's the big question. Okay. This was the last thing that, that Mike Tomlin said in his press conference yesterday. His, the final question he was asked was a, a follow-up question about Minka Fitzpatrick. And he was asked about if he was going to be moved around or kept more in that center field position, because Minka had brought that up earlier in the day. And we'll talk about that. And the, 
And his last sentence of his of his interview yesterday says, but we're not going to tip our hand. And I think that pretty much sums up everything that we're able to get from the Steelers in training camp. Do you agree? Oh, yeah. Um, look, Tomlin just came out and said, we're not going to tip our hand. Okay, if you go up north to that team way up there, mm-hmm. you know, their coach would just mumble something on yeah. about nothing, which is basically doing the same thing. Uh, it's just Tom yeah. will come out, look you straight in the face, and say, We're not tipping our hand. No, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens when we take the field. And then we'll <laughs> go there and watch this guy. And then, you know, we'll, we'll see how that matchup goes. And then we'll just, you know, we'll play our game. We'll play our game. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, there you go. There you go. Oh, I love it. Um, so what? You know, that's, so that's, you know, that's this is this is crazy. But yeah, we're. I mean, we're getting some reports. Some people doing well. Some people not. We're getting a lot of a lot of buzz about Chase Claypool. I mean, we're hearing more stuff about him as the second round pick that we did about a lot of stuff for first round picks in the past. Um, but we would get other people that were there in the stands and everything else reporting on training camp and a lot more reporters and a lot more sources. And we just don't have it today. We got nothing because the Steelers were moved, moved from Heinz field to the South side facility to go indoors because of the threat of rain. And they did not want to miss um, any more practice like they did some on Saturday. Yeah, so what, what time was their practice today? I forget. What time was their practice? Yeah. Cause we did have one thirty roll through. Yeah, they were smart to do that. Yeah. So there was so the threat of that. So they're like, hey, let's not get rained out. Let's go over there. But of course, they don't they, no media at all. Uh there was still some of a of a pool report from Bob Labriola. But um uh, mainly you just get what Coach Tomlin says in his interview. Yeah. But they have they've been I was like, oh, no media, too bad. Oh. Yeah. So so but but it's interesting because this whole notion of tipping your hand. Let's let's back up a little bit and let's talk about Minka Fitzpatrick's interview yesterday, um, which kind of led up to this because Minka had been vocal in the offseason about he wanted to be to be moved around. Now, before we get into this, uh, sorry if you're just going to listen to this for a little bit, Rich. I want to clear the air from how I understand everything with Minka Fitzpatrick because people are like, oh, the whole reason he wanted out of Miami is they were moving him around too much. There's a difference between moving around and being moved around. You're like, didn't you just say the same thing? No. Being moved around is, okay, you're a free safety, you're a strong safety, you're a slot corner, you're an outside corner. You know, that's being moved around. Moving around is working with different responsibilities and things within your regular position. My great example of this is Troy Palomalo. That dude was all over the field. Not just was he all over the field while the ball was in play, but when you're looking at lining up and everything and trying to get a read, you didn't know Tro- where Troy was going to be. You didn't know what Troy was going to do. He could be come up and be right on the line of scrimmage, and next thing you know, he's got a he's got a deep half of the field. He could be a guy that was way off the line and comes up and times it perfect and jumps over the line and nails the quarterback perfectly. You didn't know where he was going to be, but he never lined up a corner. You know what I'm saying? He was still a strong safety in everything that he was doing. And that's what Minka Fitzpatrick's talking about is moving around, doing other things, you know, as that free safety still. So I just wanted to clarify that because to me, there was major differences. I mean, Minka was their slot corner in Miami is what he was, what, what, what he was playing 
uh, at the beginning of last year, from what I understand. Um, so he said he talked about wanting to move around, you know, and do some different things and how he was ready for it. Even Keith Butler was saying, man, he was ready for more than what we gave him and stuff like that. Then all of a sudden, with with now the camp started, Mink is like, nope, I'm good doing what I did. I'm good. We'll just it worked last year. I was all pro. We'll just keep it up. You buying it? Yeah, to an extent. You know, do you think that's what they're really doing? Or do you think Mink is like, hey, I'm talking about moving around. Maybe I shouldn't talk about moving around. Maybe I should just move around. You know, let's just say this. If Minka Fitzpatrick was going to play, if they had preseason games this year and he played in, you know, maybe two of the games for a while, did, would you have seen him doing any of that stuff in the preseason? Well, no, because we didn't no. see, <laughs> see stuff in the preseason last year. No, they're not going to. Sh- they don't. Especially sure. defensively. Uh, preseason defensively. I was excited about our defense last year because I was watching those preseason games and really watching Dupree and Watt and Hayward and Tuitt just wreak havoc on on lines. And I'm like, and they're not showing them anything yet. This is just them lining up one-on-one and beating guys. Yeah. There's no scheme to this even. Imagine what's going to happen when we get a scheme together. Yeah. So, yeah, it's that's just – that's what they do in the preseason. So now, do you really you don't want to tip your hand? So when they, of course, when they ask Mink about that, he's going to say, "Yeah, well, it worked last year, so we should just do the same thing." Now, it's so funny because I actually wrote I wrote an article about this after Mink's interview, um, which which is quite interesting. You could see this from a couple different perspectives. Okay, teams know not to throw at Mink if it's Patrick. They know. The last seven weeks of, of last season, you know, he played 14 games at the Steelers. So the last seven games, halfway through, Minka Fitzpatrick, zero interceptions, one pass defense. Why? Because they avoided him. They didn't want Minka to kill him. Okay, so what do you do? You just stay away from him. So how do you utilize Minka? Do you put him back there and saying, oh, they know better than to throw at him, so they're going to have to do something else and just take something completely out of their arsenal. I could see that. That would make sense. Teams can't do that anymore. Or do they move Mink around where you're not sure where he's going to be or how you can read him, and then all of a sudden your big playmaker is making more big plays because you can't just avoid him anymore? I could see that as well. I think sure both could. strategies could be – or sound strategy. What do you think? Look, Coach Tomlin was asked, are we going to see Minka moving around a whole bunch or is he going to play center field? Well, the answer to that is yes. He's going to spend some time playing center field. Yeah. And he's going to play spend some time doing some other things as well. You know, we're going to use Minka and in certain schemes, he's going to have certain things to do. Here you go. I'm going to okay. read the quote. I'm going to read the quote. But yep. since you brought it up. This okay. was the answer to the question rather than me just read the last sentence. Minka is a versatile guy. We're committed to use, utilizing all his, all his talents. We're going to make those decisions based on game on game planning week to week. One of the things things that a guy that's multi talented like him provides us is big time versatility, and we're excited about exploring that. But we're not going to tip our hand. He said, okay. "Yeah, we can do it. 
right. But, let me sit well, here and spell out to you exactly how we're going to use Minka Fitzpatrick in well, the defense in 2020. Look, think about it, okay? Minka Fitzpatrick could be, uh, you know, in my opinion, he's going to be more Troy Polamalu-ish, right? Yeah. I mean, we saw Troy make plays in the box. We saw Troy pick off passes in center field. We saw him do all these things. Part of that was because Troy had such a tremendous football IQ, right? Mm-hmm. We may have a very similar thing in Minka Fitzpatrick. If we do, we're going to let him move around and, and, and do his thing. There's going to be times where he's going to be deep. There's going to be times where he's up. There's going to, you know. I mean, I don't know. I, I just think of all the times yeah. watching Troy Palomalo and you'd all yeah. of a sudden be like, well, and he doesn't he do the same things as Troy. He doesn't do no. he's not gonna do all the same things, but just the whole notion of you don't know what you're gonna get. And that's that's the whole strategy of the NFL. You show one thing and do another. That's how offenses work. That's how defenses work. And you do the unexpected. I do want to bring up one thing real quick where Mark said it all banks on the production of Edmonds, not on the production of Edmonds. It all banks on the ability for Edmonds to adapt and cover the other things. And people sometimes think production means, you know, interceptions, tackles, blah, 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 which I I know you're right, Mark. That's exactly what you're saying. I'm just trying to specify a little bit more. Trust me. I, you, you, you hit the nail on the head. It's, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't focus so much on the stats of Edmonds as I would his ability to do other things. And a lot of times Minka has even credited Edmonds being back there with him, you know, much like, you know, Ryan Clark was to Troy Palomalu and things like that. So, yeah, it is going to come down to a lot of those things. So Sure, it's going to come down to some of those yeah. things. But as long as we don't, you know, how, how do you say this and be nice? As long as we have things covered correctly, unlike another team from the state of Maryland had issues this week with, you know, somebody <laughs> yeah and things that you know it, you it, can't it, you can't free for all it you know one, i don't care how good you are leave. you can't go you can't go free for all you can't right, you it. can't go free for all leave people other teammates exposed yeah for things but at the same time again, joe hayden I, doesn't get his his interceptions without Minka Fitzpatrick. I mean, he's he directly credited the one in Arizona to that yeah. he knew he could signal to Minka that he saw a certain look, and he and as long as he knew that if he went for the interception, that someone else was going to be right there to make right. the tackle, he could go for it. Right, and Mi- because yeah. if not, it's well, either an interception or a touchdown. Well, so he was able to go the one where, where wasn't that the one where Hayden broke off his guy to undercut the other route? And knew Minka was going to cover his yeah, guy over. Yeah, the I mean, top. yeah. He said yeah. he had, it was the same thing he'd seen earlier in the game, and I mean, he was going against a rookie quarterback, and just like we can, we can do this. This can happen. So yeah. this this is interesting because Look, the better our secondary is with communication, the easier it's going to be to do other things with Minka Fitzpatrick. Mm-hmm. I really think it comes down to communication. Oh, absolutely. And I think that I think that they're there. And, and you know, it's the question is are they gonna be ready? I'm gonna say this. They are not just having Minka sit back there and play center field. 
I can in week one. I can absolutely guarantee it. Do you want to know why? Because if that's what they're going to do, and they say that's what they're going to do, you just told the Giants, just look at last year's film, and you'll know exactly what we're doing. Yeah, right. If that was the case, they wouldn't have answered that. There's no way they would have done that. They wouldn't have tipped their hand. So I think Minka is, you know, just trying to kind of, you know, do a little fake out move of saying, no, I don't have to move around. I'll just stay back there. In other words, not wanting to say too much. Um, so uh, we will see on September 14th, right? I mean, that's really all we can say about that. Yeah, but Right. We won't and, know exactly what they do till they hit the yeah. field. But it's not, it's not just Minka. It's not just the stuff with Minka. There's more to it than that. There's more things that the Steelers aren't wanting to tip their hands with. And we're going to get into that here in the second half of the show. We'll bring up a couple other ones, and then we are going to turn it over to the live chat and get to do some more questions and stuff there and uh, and get your all's thoughts um, on, on some things. So first, we're going to take a break, and then we will be right back with part two of the Scobro Show. <laughs> 